Don't turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey guys, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars, and you know I dig stuff out of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a shop in town specializing in vintage, retro, mid-century collectibles. Everything from toys, games, pinball machines, video games, fashion items, TV lunch boxes, slot cars, models, and more. Bobby, what's the name of that store? The, the Cool shop. shop. Yes, located at 9265 Seminole Boulevard in Seminole, Florida. Give them a shout, 727-201-9489. TheCoolShop.com. Hi, this is Tim Del Toro. And I'm Lou Angel Wolf, and we are the Grease Gurus. Our show is broadcast every Saturday morning live at WTAN Tan Talk Radio 1340. That's 10 o'clock every Saturday morning for an automotive forum that is flavored with humor and insight. We encourage you to call in and be part of the Grease Gurus show. We'd love to have you, and we will certainly help you find your inner grease. This show is sponsored by Tim's Performance Service Center in beautiful Tarpon Springs at 906 Verona Place, and you can reach us personally at 727-543-1601. Aha. Look at this car, the Phoenix, 1973, the epitome of the muscle cars. Does it get any better for you? No, it doesn't. You know, for me, driving this car was an experience. One of the things I really enjoyed when I drove it was, you know, sitting in the seat and looking over and seeing the green emblem, the sign of Trans Am. Now, how much work did you put into this car when you got it in your shop? When this one came in, it was in very nice clean, straight shape, but just needed a lot of freshening up and stuff. It's uh, basically what's considered to be like an over-restoration where you kind of over-detail a lot of aspects of the car. You know, all new, you know, bushings and uh, brake lines and fittings and, you know, you name it, everything's been gone through and stuff on this car from top to bottom. Inside to outside, it looked to be almost perfection. I feel like cars that drove off the lot in 1973, they weren't even as nice as this one. Condition on this, easily a one. Collectability. 1973, big horsepower, limited production, SD455, it has to be a B number. What's your prediction? 150 is what I have. This is one of 180 cars produced with the automatic transmission and the SD455 underneath the hood. And it being a full numbers matching car and in the overall condition that it's in, I feel that this car is worth definitely in that value, if not more. I take everything you say, I think it's all good, but I'll tell you, all I can feel, all I get to is a buck and a quarter. Well, you're really close, Keith. We're about 25 away, but, you know, these cars, if you actually look up the Haggerty values and stuff on them right now, they're actually over 200K on this car, on a number one car. He's got some good facts, but you know what it comes down to? What happens on the auction block? Good luck. Thank you. The Trans Am roared up on the block and sold for $115,000. The Super Duty engine didn't give this Trans Am the boost we expected, with the hammer falling below both ours and Dave's estimates. Set the way back machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. This is Ed Justice Jr., President and CEO of Justice Brothers Incorporated. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to visit our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. You can find out all about what we do here at Gulfstream Motorsports, and be sure to check out our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, where you can find all 300-plus shows that we've done over the last seven and a half years. We are coming up on our eighth-year anniversary, coming up here on May 7th, 7th. It's the end of the seventh year. 
No. It, yeah. 2010 to 2017. Well, uh, 1, two, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. That's seven years. Wow. So seven. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. The, seventh the end yeah, of the yeah, seventh yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. Hey, Bobby, <laughs> you got to answer the phone here real quick. But at any rate, so, uh, yeah, be sure to check out our website, fellowshipmotorsports.com. Now, hey, we have an exciting course. Exc- here I go again. One, two, three. Talk slowly. Count to three. Take a deep breath. Okay, now, here we go. Okay, <laughs> we have an exciting show for you tonight. We've got uh, some pretty cool stuff we're going to talk about, some of the events that we've been to, some of the upcoming events, as well as a very, very special guest coming on later this afternoon. Now, this past weekend, we were up in Amelia Island. No, we weren't in Amelia Island. We were in Mission Inn in Howie in the Hills. Now, some people like to say, well, that's northwest Orlando. It's really not. Howie in the Hills is in Lake County. Beautiful county, chain of lakes. You got Lake Eustis, Lake Dora, Lake Griffin, and uh, did I say that Lake Harris? Okay. Huge lake. Okay. As a matter of fact, if you have a 38-foot, 40-foot offshore boat, you can definitely run that thing at high speed for a, for a minute or two up there, and uh, you get plenty of room to uh, run that boat around. Great boat, uh, great uh, area to go fishing. They got some great restaurants. Past weekend, we had Festivals of Speed up there on Sunday. It was a spectacular event. We had some amazing cars and uh, we'll talk about those in a little bit, too. One of the cars in particular that, that caught my fancy was uh, a 64 Alfa Romeo Spider Veloce. Veloce meaning is Italian for speed, for fast. But what was interesting about the cars, it was the uh, one-owner car. We had a number of one-owner cars. We actually had a one-owner, the, the Alfa Romeo. We had a one-owner, um, I think it was a 79 Trans Am factory automatic car converted to a four-speed. And... Uh, so, hey, we're back to you, Bobby. You want to go ahead and oh, give us the social media? Do yeah, the social that's media right. honors for us. Uh, Face- Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, <laughs> and LinkedIn at Nostalgic Radio and Cars at NRC on air. That's it. Right. So, uh, and our, actually, our Twitter page is growing. We've got uh, a number of followers on that. We've actually been a little bit more active on, this, on the Twitter scene because I'm kind of learning that myself. I guess that we get a lot quicker feedback. What I'm learning here is if you have a personal Facebook page, which I do not, um, it's, you know, people kind of interact with that a little bit. We have a business Facebook page, both for Nostalgic Radio and Cars and Gulfstream Motorsports. But our Twitter page, which uh, seems to be the best way to project our our uh, our activities and uh, functions and events that we participate in. And then also we're fairly active on Instagram, too. So I'm going to get better at it. Bobby's going to teach me the social media tricks of the trade in the social media world. So, uh, which, you know, that, that a lot of people, a lot of people uh, work the social media th- angle here. But anyway, so Festival of Speed, we had some pretty cool cars up there. I'm trying to think there was a third car that was a one-owner car. There was actually three one-owner cars up there. And uh, so the Trans Am was one, the Alfa Romeo was another one, and I can't remember what the third one was. But it'll come to me. It'll come to me. And um, so at any rate, we had some pretty amazing cars up there. We had uh, probably the nicest 59 Ford retractable I've ever seen with the factory original fitted luggage. Incredible car. Every option on the car, spots, uh, the uh, Town & Country radio, power steering, power brakes, 352, like I said, the fitted luggage, the Continental kit, uh, the dual spot mirrors with the side view mirrors on it. Uh, it even had the uh, uh, an original, an NOS set of seat cover, plastic seat covers. Everybody sees seat covers in the cars back in the 50s, and they go, wow, that was kind of corny. But really what happened was is a lot of those cars had cloth material. So uh, fabric, and it was kind of really cool-looking stuff, and it had a tendency to wear if you slid in and out of it a lot. Well, if you had kids, you always had to run the risk of, you know, kids like myself, you know, sitting in the back seat eating your Maypo or your cereal or your Cheerios or something like that, dropping food all over the place. So the plastic seat covers was one way to protect that. So a lot of people leave it on there, and uh, it preserves the seats, but it also is a true nostalgic uh, accessory. So uh, it was one of those things that's kind of neat. Um, he also had the fold-out uh, Kleenex box in there, which that was kind of a common thing. But this was a nicely optioned car, very, very, and pretty. It was two-tone green or white with uh, with kind of a seafoam color, beautiful, beautiful car. Uh, another gentleman there had a 47, I said 48, but he said 47, it was corrected, 47 uh, Chrysler convertible. Now, from a distance, it looked fairly stock. The only thing that might have given it away a little bit was the fact that it had uh, kind of like reproduction date and wire wheels on it. Well, when you got up a little closer, you looked on the inside and you say, wow, the dash looks all original, but he had uh, kind of an updated kind of interior in it. And then you look under the hood, yeah, it had a Hemi. So he had a late model crate motor Hemi in it, and it was really, really, really nice. Uh, we had a good assortment of Ferraris. We had Lamborghinis. We had uh, some really cool British stuff showed up there. We had uh, three or four MGAs. One had a supercharger on it. We had a beautiful little, nicely restored BMW Izetta, and it was actually... Uh, 
I forget what they call it, the right term for it, but it was one with the sli- complete folding sliding roof. It's actually considered kind of a cabriolet. You know, they all have a little bit of a sliding roof, but this one went all the way down to the back window, to the back belt line area. So that was kind of cool. Sunbeam Tiger was there. We had an MGTC and a TD. The TD won in its class. The TC, though, was really, really cool because the TC was, um, all TCs are right-hand drive. TDs could have been right or left, and um, TFs, obviously, as well. But the TCs were all uh, right-hand drive cars, and they had the big, I think, 19 or 20-inch wheels on them, spokes, and it just has a neat look to it. Every time I see those cars, I think of the movie Two for the Road, you know. And uh, a couple of friends of mine have some TDs for sale. Another friend of mine has a Morgan for sale, which is a real interesting car, which I like that a lot. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm going to go take a look at that. And, of course, we've been, uh, Bobby and I have been active going to a number of auctions. We've been going to Mannheim and kind of nosing around over there. So if you guys want to get a car, keep in mind, we are dealers and brokers. So uh, if you want a car, give us a call, visit the website, and uh, you can uh, get in touch with us. And we'll uh, probably go to the auction and pick you up a car. Bobby, you got something on the turntable? Is it break time already? It is just approaching that time. It's approaching that time. Okay. But anyway, so uh, upcoming events real quick. This weekend, this Sunday, Festivals of Speed. Festivals of Speed at the Vinoy Park. Also, the NSRA is at Tampa at the Fairgrounds. Sumter Swap Meet. If you're having to make it up to Columbus, Ohio, they got the All Ford Show. Celebration Exotic Car Festival in April. And Barrett-Jackson in April. So first weekend. That's the uh, the biggies. And then, uh, so don't forget NSRA and... Uh, and uh, hey, we got a little Jethro Toll for you. Living in the past. That's where I do, man. I live in the past. 's Robert from nostalgic radio and cars we all love to eat well I would like to tell you about my friends at the rib Shack barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs chicken beef and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners sandwiches and even desserts they will also cater your party everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor so visit my friends Corey Jed and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey guys, this is Robert from Nostalgic Rating Cars, and you know I dig stuff out of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a shop in town specializing in vintage, retro, mid-century collectibles. Everything from toys, games, pinball machines, video games, fashion items, TV lunch boxes, slot cars, models, and more. Bobby, what's the name of that store? The, the Cool shop. shop. Yes, located at 9265 Seminole Boulevard in Seminole, Florida. Give them a shout, 727-201-9489. The, the Cool, cool shop. Shop. Hi, this is Tim Del Toro. 
Toro. And I'm Lou Angel Wolf, and we are the Grease Gurus. Our show is broadcast every Saturday morning live at WTAN 10 Talk Radio 1340. That's 10 o'clock every Saturday morning for an automotive forum that is flavored with humor and insight. We encourage you to call in and be part of the Grease Gurus show. We'd love to have you, and we will certainly help you find your inner grease. This show is sponsored by Tim's Performance Service Center in beautiful Tarpon Springs at 906 Verona Place, and you can reach us personally at 727-543-1601. Aha. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Rhythm Cars. I should have said that before we uh, went to the break there, because I always say that during one of the music songs. I always say, hey, don't touch that dolly. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Rhythm Cars. And you are tuned in to Nostalgic Rhythm Cars. Okay, so, yes, Festival of Speed this Sunday. Uh, go to the website, festivalsofspeed.com. NSRA, National Street Ride Association, this weekend at the uh, fairgrounds in Tampa. That should be a lot of fun. whole bunch of other stuff going on. Now, if you want to find out more about car shows and stuff like that, check out speedcultureapp.com. Did I say that right, Bobby? You did. Speedcultureapp.com. Now, we forgot to uh, throw in their commercial because we only have so much time. And uh, also, don't forget floridacarshows.com, too. You know, they got a lot of good stuff on it, but they're mostly the state of Florida. Speed culture is the whole United States of America, and they got this huge car show planned. But something came up in the meantime. And uh, so we got this little tidbit that they're doing this little thingy here. They're looking for a couple of goofy characters to drive across the country. So uh, somehow I think we got we threw our hat in the ring here. So uh, we'll keep you posted as it goes. So they're looking for the uh, they're looking to audition a couple of guys. There's a whole bunch of people signing up for this gig. So you never know. With a little luck, you know, uh, Gulfstream Motorsports and Celtic Cars and Speed Culture might be teaming up and driving the mighty. The mighty 1972 Ranchero GT in a cannonball-style cross-country event from the East Coast to the West Coast and the grand prize being $100,000. And we could sure use that right now. We can fix up a lot of cars, can we, Bobby? Anyway. That's true. Yeah, this past weekend, Festival Speed, a lot of fun. What else did we do this weekend? I think that was it, right? Oh, no, 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 no. We oh, Well, you know what took place this weekend, too, was the uh, downtown Clearwater, cruising the Capitol. That was uh, Sunday. A lot of stuff going on the same day. Bulletproof was going on at the uh, Gartlett's uh, Museum up in uh, in Dunellen. No, Bellevue, I think that's where it is. You know, I get the... Hey, guys. Yeah, they're pretty close. You they're know, pretty so. close, yeah. Okay, well, let's just say Citrus County. No, that's Hernando County. No, what is County? That's yeah, Marion County. Marion County. Marion. You know, we travel all over the place. And I trip over my words, stumble over my words. If you guys want to fact check me, go ahead and fact check me. Um, but I'm close. It's just because we have an hour. No, we have 54 minutes, and i got to try to rattle all this stuff off, say as much as I can in a short amount of time. So I have a tendency to talk fast. But anyway. And you have Google, so there's that. I, that's right. That's yeah. Well, the, so, the, the listeners do. The listeners. You so. can always Google in case I trip over or forget something or misquote something, which is not uncommon in the radio world, right, Bobby? Excuse me. Uh, search engine. So search. I don't have to give off any name. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, one more time. Hey, if you guys want to buy a car, go visit our website, sign up, send me an email, gulfstreammotorsports.com. Oh, yeah. And if you need an appraisal, a pre-purchase inspection. People tell me I need to plug myself more often. I really do. So go check out the website. Like I said, if you need a car, you need consulting, you need appraisals, you need all the good stuff, give us a shot. So I think we're going to queue something up here. We're going to bring our special guest on, and he is a special guest. He's very well known. He's very well respected in his field. And uh, we're looking forward to having this gentleman on our show here in a few minutes. And I think we have a little, uh, some music that this gentleman likes. We have, is this uh, Frank Sinatra? A guest request. A guest request, yes. And then we have a little clip coming up, too. So this is a guest request. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We will. We will. Be right back. What a world. What a life. I'm in love. I got a song that I sing. I can make the rain go. Anytime I move my finger Lucky me, can't you see I'm in love Life is a beautiful thing As long as I hold the string I'd be a silly so-and-so If I should ever let it go I got the world on a string Sitting on a rainbow Got the string around my finger What a world, what a life I'm in love Life is a beautiful thing As long as I hold the string 
I'd be a silly so-and-so If I should ever let it go I got the world on a string Sitting on a rainbow Got the string around my finger What a world Man, this is a lie Hey now I'm so in love All right, here we go Quiet She's got to talk into the mic. I can't pick it up. Cut! What's the matter, Dexter? It's Lena. Look, Lena. Don't you remember I told you? There's a microphone right there. In the bush. Yeah. You have to talk into it. Well, I was talking, wasn't I, Miss Dinsmore? Yes, my dear, but please remember round tones. Pierre, you shouldn't have come. Pierre, you shouldn't have come. Yes, yes, my dear, that's much better now. Hold it a second. Now, Lena, look. Here's the mic. Right here in the bush. Yeah. Now you talk towards it. The sound goes through the cable to the box. A man records it on a big record in wax. But you have to talk into the mic first. In the bush. Now try it again. Jesus is dumb. Oh, she'll get it, Dexter. Look, Lena, don't worry. We're all a little nervous the first day. Everything's going to be okay. Oh, by the way, Roscoe, you know the scene coming up where I say, Imperious Princess of the Night? I don't like those lines there. Is it all right if I just say what I always do? I, I love you, I love you, I love you. Sure. Anyway, it's comfortable. But into the bush! Okay, again. Quiet! Roll them! Missing every other word. You've got to talk into the mic. Well, I can't make love to a bush. All right, all right. We'll have to think of something. Hello, this is the annoying Jay Leno, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. And yes, you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it is now time to introduce our special guest, the gentleman, a classic car connoisseur, historian, author, writer appraiser, I should say fellow appraiser, and the host of his own segment, Assess and Caress. On Jay Leno's Garage, I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Donald Osborne. Donald, how you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. Am I talking into the bush? No, you're talking into the mic. <laughs> ah, okay, I see. <laughs> ah, so how you doing, buddy? I'm just doing terrifically, thank you very much. It's a uh, beautiful day here in uh, sunny Southern California, and... Uh, all is, all is well with the world. Yes, it is. Well, now you're wearing... Uh, Palm Springs. Palm Springs, yeah. Very nice, hot, dry. I think I forgot to tell you, the first time I took my wife there was in 1987, and I was ranting and raving about Palm Springs like I always do, and I, it was 116 in the shade. Walking down the main street, they had little misters, and my poor little wife was gasping for air. She's used to Florida <laughs> humidity, so... But I was doing fine. I was used to it. Well, you know, it's, it's a very funny thing. I was born in New York City and grew up in New York City and lived all of my life in New York, in central Connecticut, and in eastern Pennsylvania before moving to Palm Springs nine years ago. And uh, so this is very much a very big change. However, I decided that once and for all, I was over and done with winter. And so uh, friends often ask, you know, what the heck do you do in the middle of the summer in Palm Springs, and it's 122 degrees, and I simply answer, nothing that I didn't do in the middle of the winter in the Northeast when it was 10 below zero. So, <laughs> and at least you don't have to scrape the heat off of your windshield or shovel it. This is true. This is Well, now, they do have the occasional sandstorms out there. So, Well, they have more of those sandstorms, frankly, in Arizona than they do here. This is true. Um, so we don't, we don't get the haboobs here. But, um, and I also wanted to live in a place where I didn't have a car season. Oh, Okay, that's true. 365 days out of the year, it's car season. Matter of fact, uh, don't they have a... I know that... Is it McCormick's? Is that the auction that's in Palm Springs? Yes, McCormick's has uh, auctions here twice a year in uh, February and November. 
Okay. And That's quite convenient. It's a few blocks away from my office where I'm speaking right now. Okay. And so I wander over and uh, don't spend too much time there so I don't get tempted to uh, come home with something I don't need. Um, but it's always uh, it's always a fun a fun thing, as 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 is the case with you. I know um, I love spending time at auctions, even if I'm not looking for anything. If I don't have a client that's looking for anything, I just find it really amusing. Just to sort of watch what people look for and how they look at it, and uh, and the entire uh, adventure of cars going from one home to another. It, it's fascinating to me. Well, the people, the people are what really make it interesting for me. I mean, you know, it's become kind of like a, the auctions have actually become a social event. <laughs> and no more so. I heard you mentioning earlier uh, on the program about uh, Barrett-Jackson, and I think this is saying nothing that the folks at Barrett-Jackson don't themselves say. They they run an awesome lifestyle event, as they put it. They just happen to be selling cars during it. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it's sort of a combination of of, of County fair and 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 uh, spring break and <laughs> and the best people watching could imagine you know outside of Las Vegas it's, it's, it's quite it's quite something. You are quite the traveler, um, and I haven't really had a lot of people on here that uh, now Bill Warner, a good friend of mine, comes on all the time, and he goes to Retromobile. I believe that's the one in France, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Now I know you're a little bit more. Mm, I'll just say you have a tendency. And a propensity to travel a little bit more around the globe. So, tell us about some of the really interesting places that you've been. Now, I know you know the Italy's got some really amazing events. Germany has the Essen Automobile Show, and I I think you've been over in the Far East. There's some events going on over there. So, share with us a little bit of some of the outstanding events and a little bit about the culture and the and the and the perception of cars and those collector cars in those in those worlds, parts of the world. Interesting thing is the fact that no matter where you travel, car folks are car folks. That's what's absolutely astonishing. Whether I'm at an import tuner show in in Fontana at the Speedway, or uh, I was recently uh, <laughs> lucky enough to be asked to be a judge at a brand new uh, Concours in Kyoto, Japan, um, and it's just astonishing. The level of of enthusiasm doesn't vary no matter what country you're in, what language they're speaking. Or even what cars they are. Um, I do travel a great deal. Uh, as a matter of fact, again, it's one of the jokes about that. Um, I live in Palm Springs when I'm not traveling somewhere, uh, and I refuse to count the number of travel days that that I that I made in uh, 2016. But uh, I do know that I was not at home for more than two and a half weeks at a time last year. Um, my goal is to spend a little bit more time at home this year. But it is, uh, as I said, it's a wonderful thing whether I'm going to a concours uh, in Italy or in Japan or here in the U.S. or in Canada um, uh, or the U.K. Uh, or to an auction or to a rally. I love, I love to drive cars, so uh, I've been blessed enough to do the Mille Miglia uh, historic rally in Italy uh, three times in a row, um, and that was very exciting. Uh, but just getting into an old car wherever you are and driving is, is also a blast. You really get to, to know the car, the country, and people react really well to an old car no matter where you are, whether you're in Florida, California, uh, maybe not New York City, <laughs> but uh, most places you go. Um, I, I was reading somewhere that one of your first collector cars that you bought was a Lancia. You have a, uh, uh, an interest in Lancias and, and other Italian cars, Alphas specifically. And I'm looking at a website, Automotive Valuation Services, and I'll give you a shameless plug there. Um, Thank you. The silhouette of the car is very similar to a early fifties Lancia. Is it, I can I always have trouble pronouncing it. Ariella? Am I Ariella? Aurelia. Aurelia. Yeah. And I believe that was one of the first cars that you had that you really cherished, and it was a coupe version, right? Yeah. The the very first Lancia that I had, I've I've. Well, let me first say that where where I'm known to be a real aficionado and and passionate about Italian cars. I love all cars. Okay. Um, I, I have to, for reasons of time, I don't think my life expectancy is going to be 140, uh, and space and money, I have to concentrate somewhere just so I can sort of do what it is I want to do. So I have a tendency to, to gravitate towards the Italian cars. Um, and I actually started out driving new Italian cars and old German cars. 
And then when they stopped selling new Italian cars in the U.S., they started driving new German cars and old Italian cars. Um, And um, I first uh, discovered Alfa Romeo, and I had a number of Alfa Romeos. uh, And then I discovered Lancia. And as you said, the very first Lancia that I had was, (laughs) looking back on it now, an extraordinary uh, car. It was a 1951 Lancia Aurelia B50 Vignale Coupe. Uh, it was one of five made uh, and one of two that still existed. Uh, it was an extraordinary car. Um, right-hand drive. The, the Aurelia was an amazing car because the Lancia was always known throughout its history for great engineering. Uh, Lancia in 1922 with the Lambda had the first uh, unit body. Uh, the uh, Ardea in 1948 had the first five-speed transmission in a production car. The, uh, the Aurelia, 1950, a V6 engine, a rear-mounted transaxle, inboard rear brakes. This is, on, this is on a family car in 1950. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary. And that Aurelia uh, coupe that I had uh, had, of course, the rear transaxle, and it was right-hand drive, as all launches were before 1955, and a column gear shift. So here I was driving around in this right-hand drive car and shifting with my left hand on the column. That was an adventure. <laughs> wow, interesting. You know, I, I, now that you mentioned it, I you know a right hand drive and the three on the tree or the you know the, the, shift the four on the tree or four on the tree. Yeah, and yeah. on your to the left. Now that would be interesting. <laughs> That's where the turn signal would normally be. Precisely. I, I often joke about the fact that the very first time I drove a right hand drive car, I was on vacation in South Africa, and it was really embarrassing because every time I I went to uh, put the turn signals on. I put the windshield wipers on. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, gosh, it doesn't look like rain. <laughs> so what little funny little old German cars did you drive back in the day? Uh, well, I had uh, lots of Mercedes-Benzes. Okay. Um, my first was a, 190, a 1965 190 uh, Fintail sedan. Okay. And oh. then I had a series of uh, 220s. At three 220s, I had a... Uh, Are these all 111, really... all 111 cars? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I had a little uh, a uh, 230SL. Oh, I love the Pagodas, uh, 113 car. Yep, uh, which was uh, terrific, and it's very funny, actually, again, living in New York City. I actually, uh, the notion of a collector car uh, sort of evolved because I like to drive older, characterful cars, and more often than not, living in Manhattan, you don't have a lot of cars. I actually used my 230SL as an everyday car in Manhattan. Uh, in the in the in the uh, early 1980s, uh, which is quite interesting, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, I ordered a new uh, Alfa Romeo Milano in 1986. Okay, and um, it's a sedan. Few years, and I was going to trade it in, uh, even for a '73 Citroen SM. Oh, and yeah. I thought this would be a great thing to have because I always love these cars. They they're absolutely fantastic, great technology and. I love the styling of them, and you know what? What could be better than this fantastic Citroen hydropneumatic suspension and braking and a Maserati V6 engine? And uh, so we agreed to do a deal. The uh, the owner of the uh, Citroen was going to take my uh, year and a half old Milano straight across this trade, and uh, I called my insurance company, and they said, "Well, you know, you've just renewed the insurance for the Alpha, so we'll take this to fill out your policy, but we won't renew it because we don't do exotic cars." The parking garage that I used in Manhattan said, well, you can't park it here. And so I thought, well, here's a car that I could drive, but not insure or park. So I guess it's not meant to be. <laughs> Elaborate a little bit on the Citroen SM. It, uh, I, most people don't remember, can't think of the car, but if you ever saw the movie The Longest Yard with uh, Burt Reynolds, mm-hmm. he, he ran one in the drink. Okay, <laughs> but, but that is a very interesting car, and I actually liked it. SM stands for Citroen Maserati, or uh, no, sports Maserati. Yeah, Sports Maserati. And it was a very interesting car and very stylish. And even to this day, I consider that car kind of timeless looking, don't you? Absolutely. It, 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 you're absolutely correct, uh, Robert. The, the, the car is, I think, the styling is amazingly timeless. It looks as modern today. You can introduce that car today, and people would think it's, it's something fresh and new. Um, the uh, it, it, it started as a very interesting uh, project because... Um, Citroen needed to have uh, uh, engines uh, built uh, for this sports car that they were planning. And so they went to Maserati to, 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 
design and build an engine. And they ended up taking a majority interest in the Maserati company <laughs> instead of just buying engines. And so the, the SM was born. And um, it was quite extraordinary when you think about the fact that Citroën, which is an almost forgotten brand in the U.S., the reaction to this car was such that the Citroën SM actually won Motor Trend Car of the Year when it was new in 1971. And what you and I know that at one point in time I was reading somewhere that you kind of had, uh, I think you had a DS Citroën at one time, one of the DS21s? No, I've never had a DS. As a matter of fact, no? the, the, the Citroëns have, have long been on my list of, of cars that, that I want to own, specifically an SM. I mean, from the very first time I saw one, um, as a kid, I said, I have to own one of these cars, and I will one day. Um, but uh, where Citroëns came into my life, uh, the very first car show I ever went to, my two older brothers took me at nine years old to the New York Auto Show in 1964. And they were going crazy over the new GTO and, and, and a couple of other interesting cars. And uh, I just went crazy for the Citroën DS and the Maserati Quattroporte and the Alfa Romeo 2600 Sprint, I thought these were amazing cars. I'd never seen anything like them, you know, driving around my neighborhood in, in Queens, New York. Uh, so I was just transported to another world. and that, that, that feeling has never left me. Well, it's funny you mention that because those were uh, really outstanding cars. I mean, the 2600, and they made the car in a coupe version, too, which doesn't look anything like the Spider. Right. Um, oddly enough, it looks like a, a big Veloce, but... Uh, and then you're talking about the uh, the Citroen, the DS. Back then, I think it was a be the DS19, right? DS19, the then yes. And uh, you know, an interesting car, and 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 state of the art technology. And you're right; they were very, very. They were considered a high end car in in Europe, but they they never did very well. Their marketing in the United States, I think, was lacking, and their their network in the United States. Their their, their network is what really uh, did them in, as it did a number of. Uh, of European manufacturers, even actually the first attempts the Japanese made here in the U.S. Uh, almost met a similar fate because a lot of manufacturers didn't appreciate the sheer size of the United States physically. Mm -hmm. And so they thought, well, we'll set up a couple of dealers, we'll put one here, we'll put one 600 miles away, we'll put another one 1,000 miles away, we'll ship them 10 cars and, you know, 14 boxes of parts. And that'll, that'll do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not realizing that the kinds of distances and the use that Americans typically give their cars. Whereas, you know, in Europe, if you, you could drive literally, you know, 10 miles and go from one Fiat dealer to the next one. So, you know, if something went wrong with your car, you could always get it repaired. Um, but people weren't used to here having their cars uh, go in for service and having to wait two weeks for something to be shipped from Europe before you get back on the road. So that didn't really uh, sit well with a lot of people. And uh, these very good cars, unfortunately, uh, died. I'm actually in the middle of, of writing a piece right now um, on what I call the Class of 64. I still have the, the, the program from that uh, New York auto show. And I was flipping through it the other day to do a bit of research, and I was astonished at a couple things. First of all, the range of cars available in the U.S. back then. I mean, everything from DKWs, Citroëns, uh, it, was, it was extraordinary, the, the number of cars you could buy. And um, that so many of, of, of the cars that were new at that show have become, you know, revered classics today. I mean, it was a really good time <laughs> in, 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 in the car business. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, too, because, and, and you're a fan of bringing trailer, because we've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting how a lot of the stuff seems to either be in New England or out west. And, you know, little cars like, you, you, it, be, it could be an NSU, it could mm -hmm. be any of these funny little cars, you mentioned DKW, and, and, and all these little odd, Simcas, you know, uh, the, the Alpines, you know, Renaults, uh, yeah. Dolphin was a real popular car back in the day, you know, in the late 50s, early 60s when they came out with those. And you don't see those, but what's happened, what I see is uh, even, you know, little Fiats, you know, 1100s and, mm -hmm. and the early 1300s and stuff. Those, there's kind of a resurgence and there's kind of an interest in these cars because their cars are affordable. You can still get the parts in Europe. And I see them popping up at auctions every once in a while and people kind of gravitate into it because I think people, and this is an area we might be able to talk about for a few minutes, the real expensive cars are kind of going like with the really, really expensive guys that have the really, really deep pockets. But the a lot of car enthusiasts are going to something that's a little bit more affordable and very, very odd and unique, and that's where these cars come into play. Would, would that be kind of a fair statement? 
It would be a great statement and very accurate indeed. Uh, one of the things, and I know I've said this to you before, um, my, and I'm going to give away, it's like one of those moments where, you know, the, the super successful stockbroker gives away his stock picking tips. Okay. So the secrets are, the secret is out. My, my guiding principle in owning cars, I don't say collecting, in owning cars, has always been maximum impact for minimal outlay. Okay. And the cars that you just mentioned represent cars that have so much character and are fun to drive and are so interesting. And you see very few of them because the survival rate wasn't terribly high, but they're not expensive to run. And frankly, you know, you can go to a, you can go to a, a car show. I remember um, years ago when I lived in Connecticut and I was vintage racing. Uh, my last vintage race car was uh, a special based on the Crosley Hotshot, called the, 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 the Crosley Gardner Special. It's been built in 1953 in Glendale, California, by a fellow named Chuck Gardner, who did some work on the Mustang uh, motorcycle. And a uh, really neat thing, uh, he, he refashioned the body um, out of aluminum, and uh, it was very, very successful when it was new. It was featured when it was new in Honk and Hop-Up magazine. It's a really cool thing. It ran on 12-inch magnesium Sprint car wheels. I always joke that that the wheels were the, were the most valuable part of the entire car. Um, and at the time that I had that car, I lived about 45 minutes away from Lime Rock Park in Connecticut. And uh, I drove the uh, the race car up on a Thursday, parked it in the paddock, drove back up on a Friday in my little 1953 Lancia Ardea uh, sedan, little uh, sort of uh, uh, four door sedan with with uh, what they call uh, Porta Armadio, uh, opening doors, center opening, pillarless center, center, center opening doors. Uh, really neat thing, five-speed manual transmissions I mentioned before. Uh, and I parked that uh, next to my little Crosley race car in the paddock. The paddock spot next to mine, I won't mention his name, this guy, a very, very really nice guy, very well-known collector and, and, and vintage racer, who had a Ferrari GTO in the next paddock space. I had more people in my paddock space looking at my two stupid little cars, which didn't cost, <laughs> didn't have the value of the wheel of one of his, uh, one of his wheels in his GTO. But they'd never seen them before, and they were so curious about them, and everyone wanted to talk about it. And so, to me, you know, that that's the joy of of, of collecting car ownership. It's it's sharing uh, new things with people and 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 discovery. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to do it. No. Well, that, that's that's why I think a lot of us gravitate towards uh, bringing a trailer because you'll find uh, like a little Sabra, that little Israeli-made car. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are cars that people overlook for years and years and years, and now you can pick those things up. I mean, they're under ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand is still a lot of money, but in the in the big picture, it's really not because you got a very unique car. You got a conversation piece. Absolutely. <laughs> One thing it is, it is it is definitely uh, the, the the thing to do as far as I'm concerned. One thing I like about your segment on Jay Leno's Garage, you know, assess and caress, okay, is you pick some oddball cars. You'll have something that's the norm, and then you'll have a couple of really obscure, interesting cars. And then, again, that's kind of, it's educating in a way, and it gives those cars exposure and actually almost kind of helps perpetuate a market for those cars and an interest, wouldn't you say? I would, and and one of the things that I try to do on the segment, and uh, thank you very much for the second plug, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're we're shooting uh, new episodes for season three right now. They should be uh, on the air early summer. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that that uh, that that we try to do in that segment is also to educate people about what you know, as appraisers, <laughs> we know. We look for the attributes of value. Mm-hmm. And what are the attributes of value that contribute to interest in a car? Because, you know, everyone likes to think, well, it's, it's, it's rare, it's got to be valuable. Well, many very valuable cars are rare, but many rare cars are not very valuable at all because they don't have a, a large market. It's those, those features that, that appeal to the most people that provide the market, and that drives value. So we try to look at the cars and say, this is what this car is. What makes it neat? What makes it not so neat? And, and what gives it the character that it has to set it apart from something else? And then we look to see how these cars have performed over the last five years in terms of value in the market. It doesn't tell you anything intrinsically about what the car is. It just is a reflection on what the market says. 
as I love to say to people, uh, usually those people who have asked me, gee, Donald, what can I buy today that's going to be worth twice as much in five years? I said, well, of course, you can buy anything that I'm going to buy now and sell to you in four and a half years. <laughs> um, or um, you can just go out and find that thing that really suits your needs and that really turns you on. Because for me, the reality is, if there's something that I really love about the car, if it really uh, you know, uh, sets my pulse racing when I see it or when I sit behind the wheel and drive it, if somebody tomorrow only wants to pay me half of what I paid for it, it doesn't matter because the car hasn't changed. Everything that's exciting, exciting me about that car is still there. No, that's, and, and I understand that. I mean, there's... That's what you have to kind of emphasize to people, and you and you're and you've quoted this. I've said it. I think the majority of us in the industry say it. Buy what you love, not for the money, but because it puts a smile on your face. Right. If you want to become a car dealer, that's another thing, which is perfectly fine. It's an honorable profession, and there you have to buy in order to resell for more money as quickly as you possibly can. Yes. <laughs> um, but for that requires a completely different type of study and a completely different type of engagement. And that's not what enthusiasts do. You uh, let's jump over to sports car market. You're a contributor for them. You write for them as well. And I think sports car market, um, probably out of all the publication, does the best job of covering auctions, feature articles, um, things of that nature. So put your take on sports car market and Keith Martin. Well, sports car market is near and dear to me um, because. It's really the place that I got started working in the old car business. Um, when I uh, <laughs> give a little potted history, um, I was an art major in high school, and I thought I wanted to become a car designer. I was going to go to uh, school to Pratt Institute for Industrial Design, and instead I started singing, and so I went to, uh, to the Hart College of Music for singing to be an opera major instead, because I thought it would be easier. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, <laughs> That didn't turn out to be the case, although I had a very good uh, career in opera, sang as a soul of the New York City Opera and the Metropolitan Opera in New York, and then decided that I didn't like it and went back into retailing, which I had also worked in. Worked in retail, television production, uh, advertising, uh, marketing communications, branding, all this stuff, all the while still maintaining a great love of cars. And um, I was a subscriber, as I told you before, that uh, I was an alpha enthusiast, and I was a subscriber to the Alfa Romeo Market Letter, which Keith Martin started back in 1987. And um, I, uh, <laughs> like many people, people ask, well, how'd you meet Keith? Well, I met Keith at the 1993 uh, Alfa Romeo Owners Club National Convention, which was held in uh, Hunt Valley, Maryland. And like many people, Keith had written something horribly mean about a car that I owned and loved, <laughs> Alfa 2600 Sprint Coupe. He called the 2600 the best truck Alpha ever made. Oh. <laughs> I said, oh, really? I can't wait to meet this guy and give him a piece of my mind. And I had driven my 2600 Sprint down for the, uh, for the convention. And so we started chatting, and he said, well, what's it like to drive around town? I said, oh, it's a little heavy. It was like the parallel park. I said, well, parallel park is not fun, but you don't buy the car to parallel park. And uh, you drive it to drive. And... Um, he said, well, what, do you love the car? I said, absolutely. He said, so what does it matter what I write? I thought, ah, okay, fine, I get it. And the first uh, thing that I uh, contributed to Sports Car Market was in 1996, an article called Mr. Osborne Builds His Dream Car, uh, which was inspired by one of my favorite old movies, Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House, with uh, Cary Grant and Myrna Loy. tells the story of the misadventures of a couple uh, who buy an old house in the country in Connecticut and tear it down and build a new house and all the, the, the trials and tribulations they go through. And so I told the story of how I wanted a 2600 spent ever since I saw one at the 64 New York Auto Show. I finally saw one. I, I saw an ad for one in uh, Hemmings Motor News. I bought it sight unseen from Georgia. It was delivered to my house in Pennsylvania. It had no floors whatsoever. Oh, so I thought, oh, okay, well, this is going to be a very interesting restoration project. So I started looking around for a parts car. Found another parts car down in, uh, in the Atlanta area, as it happened. But I said, I'm not going to make a mistake again. So I flew down to look at it. This car ran and drove. <laughs> so I said, well, obviously, this is not going to be my parts car. This is going to be the car I restore. 
So I bought that car, had it brought back to Pennsylvania, stripped the other one, started to do the restoration of this one. I was out on the business trip in California, and I saw an ad for another 2600 Sprint. One family ownership from new. <laughs> totally perfect and beautiful. So I bought that. So I ended up with three 2600 Sprints. Uh, I, I ended where I should have started, of course. Um, and so that was my first uh, article for Sports Car Market. And then I started uh, contributing some auction reports for them, uh, covering Italian cars mostly at some of the big auctions, at Barrett Jackson and, and other places like that. And uh, then started uh, doing more profile writing on cars. And then when I decided in uh, 2004, actually I became an auction analyst in the 2000, and decided in 2004 to start um, Automotive Valuation Services, my appraisal business, um, I started writing columns for Sports Car Market, and now I write two columns a month, and a Cedarini column and another column just of my opinions on the car market called Unconventional Wisdom. So uh, Sports Car Market has, has really been sort of my home writing base for a very long time now, and I, and I just love being connected with the magazine. That's, uh, well, I got to tell you, I've actually covered a few auctions for them Myself, so I'm part of the uh, sports car market. Yes, and family, absolutely. Yes. Now, <laughs> Donald, we are up against the clock, but I definitely, definitely want to have you come back on the show. And so what we'll do is maybe like around the time around Monterey or something like that, we'll have you come on and we can talk a little bit about what goes on after Monterey, after we've been there. We can tell some stories. You game for that? Absolutely. Okay. And then Jay Leno's going to be at the uh, Celebration Exotic Car Festival April 6th through the 9th or whenever it is. I think he's just going to be there in the evening. Are you going to make it to that? That's in Florida. I will not, unfortunately. I'm actually going to be in Italy then. <laughs> okay. Well, good for you. Well, Donald, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. My special guest this evening was Donald Osborne, automotive historian, author, and he's the host of his own segment, Assess and Caress on Jay Leno's Garage. Donald, you take care, and I will see you at the next major event. How about that? You will indeed, Robert. Thanks a lot for having me. Okay. Hey, I want to thank my listeners for tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. We're here every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tat Talk Radio Network for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. Be sure to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget to check out our podcast, Nostalgic Radio Cars. We'll see you at some of the car shows. Festival Speed this Sunday. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. But there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.